Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. I'll keep it short and sharp because you will be hearing a little bit of it this week, but we obviously are away on our honeymoon at the moment, so we'll try and get a bit of content out to you guys, but there will be a lot of throwback content that we're putting out here today. The off-season, footy cards, a heap of stuff here for you guys to listen to. So enjoy all these throwback episodes. I've picked only the best content for you guys this week. Hey guys, welcome back to episode four of the off-season. Today we're going to have a look at the most underrated halves of all time. We're going to pick a couple each and take a deep dive into those. I'm joined once again, my co-host, Matty the Waterboy. What's doing, mate? What's going on, Guru? It's cruising, mate. How are you? I'm going well, mate. Uh, now, normally we're a pretty talented duo as far as rugby league, but we have got a guest today joining us who... Quite possibly might be the best middle forward on the panel. <laughs> Jackson Hastings, welcome on, mate. How are we? Guru, thanks for having me. I like I like the intro, mate. I can't wait to put the the thirteen on this year and uh, take some hit up. So it should oh, be good. you all know I've been a fan of a ball playing thirteen for quite some fucking time. There'll be a lot so. of ball playing, no hit up. Trust good me. to have one finally, uh, mate. Before we do kick off, how's the injury going? How are we feeling? Yeah, good, mate. It's come along really well. Um, I haven't ran yet or anything like that, just sort of waiting to go back on the 14th and, and uh, work with the physios at the Tigers. They sort of give me a free reign to enjoy my downtime. Obviously, I've trained uh, non-stop since I broke my leg and um, obviously the off-season's 
a little bit there to enjoy yourself and I haven't been able to do that so they gave me a few weeks off to go to America and things like that which I'm grateful for and um, I'll start running a couple of weeks after I go back to pre-season just getting strength in the calf and stuff but yeah it's come along good and it'll be sweet for round one you got your missus out here now too yeah it's good mate um, she's always on my back about about doing things getting me out of the house and and things like that too so it's good to have her it's um you know she keeps me on my toes keeps me in check and um, as I said keeps me busy so yeah good to have her it's not what you said before we started recording, but that's fine. <laughs> um, now, we're going to go through some of our most underrated halves. Thankfully, we have got one of the best sevens in the competition here to go through them with us. Mate, take us through your very first one. Who was your first pick? T- a tough little topic, wasn't it? Yeah, it was hard. When you um, when you messaged me, I didn't really know which way to go. I've, I've deleted a few off, but my first one I'm going to go with is um, a Ben Hornby. Ooh. I know I know people say he played fullback, but he, he won the comp in 2010 as a halfback. And I think his partnership with Jamie Sauer was pretty impressive. But being a Wollongong boy and a, and a local junior, um, I feel like Ben Hornby's name doesn't get mentioned enough too. So I don't know if any of you boys had him on the list. I, d- I doubt you would have, but he's he's one that I um, really appreciated. Watch him play with his uh, blue skins, blue Pomeroy's on. So, um, yeah, Benny Hornby's number one for me. I think for me, when I look back at that, you know, when you look at all the premiership winning halves over the last 20 years, yeah. they're probably the one that stands out yeah. as far as neither of them were ever internationals. I'm the same. I, when I think Ben Hornby, I probably don't think straight away halfback. I just think unreal utility yeah, player. Yeah, exactly right. Could play anywhere, but fuck that 2010 side. It's crazy how you look at those halves. And as I said, none of them are internationals or whatever, but you think – they were one of the more dominant halves pairings. Yeah, well, I think the Dragons. I think the Dragons became better as soon as he went to seven. Obviously, they had they got Darius to play one, but uh, being in and around the Dragons and, and watching what Benny done was um, pretty remarkable for someone that played fullback and didn't do too much kicking. I feel like his kicking game when he went to seven was just was natural for him. Tough, good defender, good leader, and he won a comp playing halfback, which is um, pretty impressive. Not many people do it, so. That's why I had him at number one. I do think he played for Australia. I think he played a couple of games. I don't Man, know. I do take it back. He did play one game. He did, didn't 2006, he? yeah. And, and obviously he played Origin. But, yeah, as you said, a lot of people know him as a fullback or a utility, but um, won a comp at seven, so he's, he's my number I'll one. I'll put this to both of you, and if you've got the answer, don't say a word. He played uh-huh. 273 games. How many do you reckon he played at halfback? Um, oh, did you just Google it? You did, eh? I did, yeah. I'm going to say... I'm gonna say I'm going to say 53. Oh, you're only 100 off. 162. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a trick question. But well, I didn't expect it to be that yeah, high well, either. 83 at fullback, 162 at halfback, 18 at 5'8". So that means I'm right. He's a halfback then, true? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you've yeah, Over 50% is a halfback. Yeah, I, I, I thought it would be much uh, much higher at fullback. That's interesting. Matty, memories of the great Benny Hornby. All I remember, well, I mean, I remember a lot about him, but he was a durable motherfucker. Part yeah. of the furniture at St. George. I think he um, he was there for, what, 13, oh, 11, 12, there, I think. 13 I think years? What did you say, 57 or something like that? 73 games, 273. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and like, I think all of those years, from 2002 to 2012 except one, he played over 20 games each year. Yeah. Started his first like major year there, he, he was like off the bench, fullback, halfback, 5'8", and then obviously finished his career as, as halfback. And uh, now he's he's part of the staff at the Rabbitohs, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he is, yeah. Wayne took him there, I think. But he's, mm. like, I, I get a lot of shit all the time for being slow, which is, I, I cop it on the chin because it's true. But when I look at... Um, some of the great halfbacks when I was going through the list, I wouldn't exactly call Ben Hornby quick by any stretch of the imagination, no. but when he played fullback or halfback, there was never a time that obviously I'd never watched every game, but there was never a time where I thought, oh, he, he's getting run around because he's too slow or he couldn't do anything because he's too slow. I just think he's, his mind was 
so fast and that's what just done the job for him. You know, he was, as you said, tough, consistent, but just really quick between the ears. It's interesting. He played three games for the New South Wales Blues. He played one in 2004, one in 2006, and one in 2008. All different positions? Well, uh, he started once. What what position do you reckon he started? I'll give you a hint. He started in the game that Sean Timmons kicked the uh, field goal from 40. So he didn't play He didn't play, he didn't play 5'8". Oh. What do you reckon? I don't want to say fullback because what year was that? 2004. Four. So we're talking peak mini. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm just going to say fullback anyway. Yeah, I think it's full. And I think, talking off the dome, Matty, you might be able to deal. I'm pretty sure this might have been the game that uh, Mini and Mark Gaznia missed out on because they are. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. And because and Mini was back the next. Oh, I don't, I'm not 100% sure it was that year, but like it's pretty safe to assume. Did Mini, Mini was out? back the next game. Did Mini miss out because of his back? Nah, it was an off field. It was an off oh, right, field right, type thing. Yeah. All oh, right. Little West Naguama there. Uh, so 2006 <laughs> and 2008, he also played State of Origin. As you said, oh, I think durable is the best way to describe him. Yeah. Fuck, he was tough as nails. Yeah, the blue Pomeroys were the grouse, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah, he, like I know Benny Pomeroy had the had the skins that everyone talks about, but he had the blue torpedoes, bro. Like, I wore them for West of the Warrior in like the under sevens because of Ben Hornby. <laughs> they were the grouse. Google, uh, bring him up now. You, you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> oh, man. He's one of those guys too. Whenever I think of city country, he's always one yeah, of those exactly guys right, I picture. Yeah. He's one of my first picked in city country every year. It might be Although, one leg too, by the way. I don't think it was both legs. <laughs> Obviously, won that comp. They went to the um, World Club Challenge as well, 2011. They beat Wigan in that game. So that's St George team, unbelievable. Oh, side. They played Wigan today. Yep, beat them 21 to five in that. Who was one. in that Wigan team? Go through it for you. So for Wigan, jeez. Tompkins at fullback still back then. That was, prime. Been around. That was prime yeah. Tompkins too. Uh, Goulding, Gleeson, Georgie Carmont, one yeah. of the greats. I'm sure we'll talk about him over the next few weeks, Matty. Oh, that's yeah. a good team, man. Amos Roberts, Paul Deacon, uh, Lulawai, Prescott. Oh. We've got Hanson, Ryan Hoffman, Sean O'Loughlin. Mate, that's that's one of the that's one of the real good Wigan teams too. That back line, like George Carmont went over there, was unbelievable. I don't know when Sam won his first man of steel. I'm it would have been around 10, 11, I'm sure it was. Oh, it might have even been before then. He's played for ages. But that was prime Sam Tompkins where, like, if you go back and watch highlights of him play, he would catch it on his own dry line and he's running the field once once a week. Sam like, Tompkins, would... 2012 and 2021. Yeah, he won it Yeah, he won it a couple of years ago. That which team is... was coached by Madge too. There you go. Proofs in the pudding, the man can coach. One of the greats. <laughs> the man can All right. coach. Anything else on Benny Hornby before we move on to Jackson's second was one? Was it one or two legs? The blue skins, did you figure oh, it out? Oh, I saw, yeah. I've, most of the things I'm seeing here is one. See, that's the grass. Trendsetter. Trendsetter. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> Aaron Smith with the one sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> Take us to number two. Me? Yeah. Oh, I don't know who to say. Oh, I've got, uh, yeah, I'll go, um, I'll go Scott Prince. Oh, nice. I had Princey on my list. Yeah, I was thinking too. Like yeah. And the reason I went with Scotty Prince was because, like, I appreciate him because back in the day when I was, quote unquote, faster, he just done everything at such a, Quick, quick quick pace, had unbelievable skill. Like everyone talks about Benji and, and obviously how skillful Benji is, which is like it's pretty easy to sit back and watch and say that's obvious. But I don't know, Scott Prince was right up there in terms of being able to do stuff on the field that not many could and come back from a couple of serious broken legs and he played in an era where there was obviously Thurston and, and people like that. I, I feel like he would have played a lot more rep footy and um, – Every club he went to, he sort of made a difference as well. And um, he was one, plo- one bloke sorry, that I used to love sitting back on a Friday night when I was a kid before I played on Saturdays. And if the Titans or the Broncos or whoever was playing that he played for were, were playing, that's a game that I'd chuck on for sure. 
I think the most incredible thing about Scott Prince is that he played more than 50 games for every Queensland club. Cowboys, wow. oh, he did play for the Cowboys, didn't he? Yeah, right. Everyone forgets he played for the Cowboys early. He played 53 games for North Queensland across about three seasons. And you think about all the broken legs and stuff yeah. he had. Like, I, I remember at the start of his career, it was like, is he durable enough to play first grade? Because he was small too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was very small. Remember he scored the Cowboys try and then he Oh, the, yes, I do yeah. remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think when I think about Princey too, though, is that, and you mentioned it, I think everyone looks at 2005 as Benji Marshall's premiership. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, for me, it's Scott Prince's. I've got to say it was Benji's because I want to get picked every week this year. So. <laughs> Smart footy, that's it was, good. It was all Benji. But in all seriousness, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, Benji's got the moment that sort of changed the landscape of the Tigers forever in terms of um, the premiership in the moment with Paddy Richards. But Scotty Prince's input that whole year, I remember Sheensy talking about it at our presentation night. Scotty Prince got inducted into the Hall of Fame and the highlight reel come on and I was just sitting there and just like as a footy lover, just watching like the one hand show and the flick pass and the crossfield kicks, like they were both doing it. So it's amazing what, like, what they were able to do together as well because they were both slight. Both got injured a lot early in their career and both carved out these phenomenal, phenomenal careers. So And got be, and got the medal to prove it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. He got and the five. And he also, like, I think people forget, halfway through the season, he wasn't the captain. Yeah. Sheenzy made the, made the decision men's mid-season. I, I, was it Marco Neely took it off? I think I think he I think he got injured or something. They went with Princey, then he returned and they went, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to stay with Scott. And I, I thought he was yeah, tremendous. Yeah, they went Marco Neal up until round nine and then round ten from onwards with Scott Prince. Ooh. He called a make. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I see. I didn't know that. I thought I thought Scotty was always captain, but obviously the internet doesn't lie, does it? So <laughs> yeah, no. I, I remember it was a big deal when it happened. Even though, like at that point, obviously the O five Tigers weren't yeah. the O five Tigers, yeah. so it didn't. But I, I remember thinking, "Fuck, that's a that's a rough call to take the captaincy off someone." But I can't really remember. Did they always play that sort of sideline to sideline, sling it, double drops, Toddy Payton playing? Like, did they always play that way, or was there a point in two thousand and five for that to change? I've never really. Sheensy can talk footy, but I've never sat down with him long enough to to talk about that. And obviously, I wasn't that old, so I can't really remember mm. the style of play. But I just remember they had small, robust forwards that would come back against the grain and offload and stuff. And they had two halves, and obviously Hodjo and Robbie that could just wave the ball around like a wand. So I might actually go back and watch that because I don't know if they played from sideline to sideline. Because they didn't start the year well, did they? They weren't going very well, I don't think. They lost four in a row from round six to round nine. And then, as coincidence says, once Scott Prince becomes captain, they go win-win, loss-loss, win-loss, win-win-win-win-win-win-win-win, loss-loss, and then every win to the final. They had a fair spine. Like, we just named the four then. But they were all young then. They were all very fucking young. Like, I reckon, how old was Robbie Farah? He would have been 21, 20 maybe. Was he 20? He had hair then, Robbie, didn't he? Yeah. I better be careful. I better be careful because he he'll rip me out of the squad as well. But yeah, they were all so young at that point in their career. It's uh, it's crazy when you look back on that premiership. And and Maddie, have you got their draw up from that season? Uh, yeah. I believe at the start there's a two week period where they beat Canterbury and the Roosters, isn't there? Out of the fucking uh, blue, and and they were the grand finalists from the year before. And that's when the Roosters just played in three grand finals in a row, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and you think back to Canterbury and the Roosters, then the two biggest fucking yeah, powerhouses of all time. Yeah. There's a story that Matty Johns tells where he talks that he went to a training session in 2004, and he was standing there with Sheensy, just going, "What are they doing? I've never seen this before." And Sheensy just sort of said, "Just it's going to be a long process, but we'll get there." And then 05, seemingly. Penny just drops. There's one, one guy you mentioned there was Todd Payton. Yeah. So he was at the Roosters 2004. Yeah. yeah Destined yeah. for England. 
Tim yep. Sheens went, nah, nah, I can do something with him. Yep. One of the great ball playing oh. forwards. He reminds me a bit of myself, Toddy. One of them, one of them really good ball playing props. <laughs> what do you got for so us? So round mate? one, uh, they lost to Para, then they had the bye. Then round three, beat the Doggies by one, 37-36. Princey field goal. Yeah, and then beat the Roosters What's next that? week. Yeah, yeah. Scotty Prince is the grouse, bro. Mm. And he still plays touch footy now. Like, if you go mm. on his Instagram, I, I don't know if it's his Instagram or Queensland touch. Like, he's still got it, man. He's big. Is he big in TRL? I think he plays a lot of TRL of as faces. well. Yeah. yeah. Imagine fucking showing up after work to touch and you've got to deal with Scott Prince. And he's still like a grouse sort as well. Oh, like yeah, he always has been, yeah. Jeez, I'd hate to play touch against him. I've got to say, Scott Prince, like, that 2005 Tigers team, young all together, like, just a bunch of throbbers. I know 06 wasn't their best year, but it was a big deal for Scotty Prince to move to the Titans so quickly after they won that comp and then to be the face of the Titans then – you know, the Titans had a bit of early success, not the first, the, the next couple of years. I think he won Dallium Halfback of the year in 2010 when they made the prelim. So that was a big ballsy move by Scott Prince to do that. What year did they go in? Six, the Titans? Seven was their first year. Seven. And he, yeah, so he won the comp in 05, 06, played for the Tigers again. They had a pretty shit year, but 2007 went to well, the, the expansion thing is interesting because you get, like obviously Munster just signed at Melbourne, but People must look at that and, and go, what an opportunity and the money and being the face of something. But then there's such a big risk as well. So for him to actually do it, mm. and if you look at their history, like there's no doubt he's a top three, five player at the Titans. I know they haven't been around for a long time, yeah, but like sure. they signed him and Luke Bailey straight off the bat, and those two would still be like right up there of players that they've had. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, anyway. 100 bucks. Whilst we're dribbling 100%. on this topic. Best Gold Coast Titans player ever. I would go with Princey. Yeah. Who would you go with? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd go with Scotty Prince, but it'd be hard to argue against. Oh, yeah, I feel like you're setting me up for. for no, a no, I'm jo- I, I think a lot of people would say Preston, Preston Campbell. Who would you say? Oh, sorry, yes. yeah. Yeah, I was going to say Preston Campbell. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd go, go say Scotty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'd, my top three, and I don't know if it's because they're OGs and like they haven't been around that long, but I'd go Scotty, Preston, and Luke Bailey. Luke Bailey's in the Laura boy, too, so you've got to. Show love, you know. The old bull. Yeah. You gotta show love, man. Yeah, I, I think like I think people forget the Titans, like twenty ten they fell one game short of a premiership. They were like of a grand final. They got beat by the Roosters, did they? They got beat by the Chooks. At Seabus yeah. too, yeah. Yeah. So they were that, that, that team was I I think that they were top four two years in a row. I think oh nine and oh ten. Um and then of course Princey went back to the Brisbane Broncos back end of his season. Wasn't his absolute greatest footy, obviously. Yeah. Uh but he, he was getting on there, but Princey, champion player. Anything, Matty? Nah, all good, all, all good, good for me. Yeah. All right, your top two, your all right. number two. I'm still not 100 percent sure because I've got four names here, but I'll but I'll go. Were any of them his? No, no, no. Okay. I didn't have I didn't have those two. Come on, Matty, far away. The first one I've got uh, is middle of the 2000s. So when I started watching rugby league, Brett Seymour. Oh, bro, what a pick! Yeah. So he started he started with Brisbane, like killed it as a junior. Um, left someone off. Yeah, we can come back. Um, and was just was was pretty good for the Broncos, but I think he copped a lot of injuries in those in those few years. I think he he got um, he got punted from there. His most underrated era, I think, was for me anyway, was when he was at the Sharks. So he moved to the Sharks in I think it was two thousand six, and then or two thousand seven maybe, and there was like a three way cycle of the. 5'8", halfback, and, you know, the player that got left out. So they had Adam Dykes, yep. Brett Kamali, and um, Brett Seymour. And they were, like, floating around all year. 
And, but in that year, whenever he played, like I still remember watching it. Like there was a game against Para where he, where he won the game with a field goal and golden point. Like he, he was, he like was so good that year in like the half a season he played. But then he's like the big year was 2008, which was when the Sharks, they came third, but they actually came first, like on points. Like it was all, they were all on equal yeah, wins, right. but they came third. And then they won the semi and they were in the prelim against Melbourne. And then I think he did his knee or something, not in the game before. I think he did it at training in the, in the lead up or he did it at home or something like, which is just so unlucky for Sharks fans. And as soon as that happens, uh, they were completely fucked and got pumped by uh, Melbourne because he was one of their best players that year. Um, after that, it, it kind of fizzled away a little bit, but that 07-08 kind of period was um, his most underrated. Also, my uh, I don't really remember him at Brisbane as much as I should because I was pretty young around then. But what I do remember, when I was playing rugby league on the PlayStation in like 2002, 2003. I froth these memories. Yeah. yeah. The Broncos, like, because I was like a kid, I didn't, I didn't know for the first like week or two how to like change the teams. So I always played with the Broncos because I was first and like Brett Seymour was their kicker, like yeah. to kick off. So that's, that was like, he was one of my, my most earliest memories of players because he would always kick off when I'm playing rugby league live. So that was my, that was my memory of Brett Seymour playing for the Bronx. But yeah, as I said, the Sharks, uh, those couple of years of the Sharks, he was fantastic. Did he play with Michael Witt at the Warriors? Yeah, uh, did he those did two play, play together? Let me have a look for you. Surely he made someone's list, didn't he? Michael Witt. Michael Witt. He was Oh, I won't give it away. <laughs> but you, you just reminded me. I reckon I, I, I've got a feeling that you've got the person I just wrote down. But um, did he – yeah, I don't know. Did he play with Michael Witt at the Warriors? Because I remember yeah. he had so many halves partners, Michael Witt, when he went there. Because Ohio used to play hooker, fullback, 5'8", halfback. Nah, so Michael Witt was at the Warriors in 7 and 8. 7 and 8. So who did he partner with? So I'll give you – so randomly I've got – Grant Ravelli, he was oh, one. Oh, yeah, Grant Ravelli, yeah. Uh, he was good too. Yeah, he was good, man. Another one was Jerome Rapati. Yeah, center, center 5'8". I'm just clicking. I'm just clicking on random games. Yeah, because the Warriors went through a period where yeah. before they signed James Maloney, they had just a – everyone just rotated Rotate. pretty much, didn't they? Yep. Mm. Like center 5'8", and then they just have a one constant halfback, kind of like when Stacey was there. Is the guy you're talking about, does he happen to have the same initials as Brett Seymour? Yeah, bro. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, we're on the same wavelength. Yeah. I can't believe. <laughs> I can't believe no one said it. But anyway, do you know? No, I don't know. He's actually now my number one. Yeah, right. I yeah. thought he would be. I, I, just, did, I, I have, thought you'd pick him for sure. I didn't have a list, but he's number one. I can't believe I didn't write him down. I was just going to say on Brett yeah. Seymour, yeah. crazy when you look at like sliding doors moments. He plays his last year for the Warriors in 2011, right? Um, he plays round seven to eleven. He wins five games on the trot, right? Round thirteen. This new kid makes his debut, oh, yeah. Sean Johnson. <laughs> and that essentially closes the door on Brett Seymour. SJ goes on that incredible run. They go all the way to the grand final. One of those ones, it's similar to like uh, how Michael Ennis was at the Broncos in yeah. 06. He got injured, Sean Berrigan comes in, no one fucking remembers. Crazy how it plays out sometimes. Uh, hopefully when you play this, Sean Johnson's first try in first grade, I think it was that game. Yeah, I remember Who did he debut against again? Was it? Was, was it the Brisbane try? No, no, no. Was it was Tigers? Tigers? Tigers, yeah. Tigers with that mad – they had, like, the flag on their jersey, the Warriors, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Is it the go- – he gets on the outside and takes fullback on, scores left corner, pretty sure. Let me have a look. You're right, it is the West Tigers. It's not an, I don't know if it's the intercept try or the one where he gets a wide four goose step straight through and then takes the fullback on, scores in the left corner. Sure he does. Yeah, we, we did a podcast the other day talking about the best jerseys. 
We forgot about That's that. That's up one. there, man. That was a cracker. Oh yeah. I reckon team like in, if we're gonna put teams in order of who do the best jerseys year by year, Warriors are one. Warriors are number one. They they're, <laughs> they're number they're one. The best or the worst? Yeah. <laughs> but when they're the best, when they're, they're the best, they are the best. I yeah. think some of the jerseys they've done over the years. I remember I've played against them a few times, obviously, and like sometimes when they run out in like a traditional kit, like the the jersey they wore this year, uh, representing the premiership year, I think it was when. Yeah. Oh, wait, when they played the Roosters, yeah, sorry, the at the SCG, final, yeah, yeah. and they both wore the grand final jerseys from, what year was that? 02. 02, that's it. Um, those jerseys were so sexy, man. I, I, haven't liked, were. I haven't liked when the Warriors played at Eden Park for the first time a few years ago. They just wore the black, like full black, yeah. and it kind of looked like the all blacks. Like it was yeah. like the opposite of a, like, a hectic design, but I love that one as well. Do you remember the night they had the, I'm going to say 2008, nine? they had the blackout night? Oh yeah, mm. fucking Ruben Wiki. No, yeah, Ruben Wiki returned it and um, C.S. Oliola. Oh my god! Yeah, I almost got put in a body bag. The poor bastard. Yeah, but I've seen Sia do that to so many people after that because <laughs> obviously he went over to Super League and then when he come back for the Raiders, oh, what a machine! He man. returned as a monster. Yeah, right? so so big man. He went to your school, didn't he? He went to Marcelin, I think. Yeah, Soliola did. Yeah, uh, was yeah. that try right? Uh, I haven't. I could. I couldn't find it. It is his first try. That's his, fir- the his first try was so, against the Tigers. Yeah. yeah. I hope I'm right. I back man. you. Yeah, I hope I'm right because he scores. He obviously scores so many long ranges, but I'm. I remember that one so clearly because I watched Sean play all the way through the under twenties because I was SG Ball year, I think, or maybe Harold Matt's back end, and he used to wear the headgear, and he oh, played yeah. in those dominant Warriors sides, and then the Cowboys sides had Jason Tamalolo and stuff like that, and they were the two teams. So obviously, Comrade Hurrell, Sean Johnson, people like that were in there, and then when Sean made his first grade debut. Uh, he take, uh, and they had the fullback was um, oh it's gonna annoy me now who who was uh, for the Warriors yeah the tattoos uh, Kevin Locke no nah, Kevin Locke uh-huh. wasn't fullback was he or was he that game he's like you talking about in that game it was yeah. Kevin Locke in that one um so yeah who else you could be talking about oh, Locke Inu no that'll come to me it'll come to me come to you. you see by the way on that the Warriors have got a now got a team in the SG ball. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so good, man. My, my, my little brother's playing the SG ball for the Chooks. Oh, really? And we're having a look at the team list yesterday, just going, holy fuck. Yeah. <laughs> You're in some curry. It's going to yeah. be a sore, sore day for that, him. That, that's so good, though, for in terms of growing the game yeah. over there. If, if we're not going to ever get another team over there, and especially like with so many, like, there's so many talented kids that just sort of get lost in the pathways over there with rugby union and stuff yeah. like that, it'd be so good to see him come through and hopefully, obviously, stay in New Zealand and play for the Warriors as well. And, and build that club up to be what it deserves. That's the exact thing. If you're a young kid in New Zealand with the All Blacks after you, or you know, there's potential for you to play yeah. SG Ball, go to Australia, and you also get the opportunity for all the scouts to exactly see you right. as yep. well. So it's a big in. Yeah. Um, I did not see Brett Seymour coming. I love it now that I've heard yeah, it, so but good. I did not see Brett Seymour coming. Anything else to add, Matty? No, but my next one flows straight off Brett Seymour. So as I said, when Brett Seymour missed that prelim, the person that would have gone in in the halves was Greg Bird, but he was suspended. So they had to put in someone else. And that person was Blake Green. Now, Blake Green is my next pick. That's that start period of his career, like he was kind of like he went to Para, he was at the Sharks, I think he was at the, the Dogs maybe for a year. And he kind of just like floated around. But then he went to Super League. And that and for Wigan, that's when he started just killing. I think he won a grand final, won a challenge cup. He got man the match in the in a grand final. Yeah, might might have played in the grand final and lost as well. Like just he was only yeah. there for a couple of years and just and just killed it. Yeah, he so like I um obviously being 
a lot younger than Greeny. I got to play with him at Manly for a little bit yeah. um, before all the stuff sort of happened. And he um, – oh, this is – I want to say this in the most least disrespectful way to who was coaching purely because people will take it out of context. Yeah. But he ran our attack. Like yeah. he's that smart and that gifted at being able to get a message and across to to people and being able to take someone under the, under the wing and stuff like that. Like he – obviously Baz was the head coach – and he'd go to Greeny and Ches and, and they would run what we would do. But Greeny was that gifted at actually being able to speak to people and get the message across that, as I said, like with all the respect to Baz, because I'm not trying to be a smartass, yeah. he, he was that good at it. He eventually just ran our attack. As the year that we got beat by Penrith in the semi when uh, it was a very chirpy game, if you can remember it, um, Allianz, before they knocked it down. You would have hated that. Yeah. <laughs> we had a few boys in the Manly side that were, were pretty good. Yeah. Um, if you went for the team and had a look at that team, I think you'd you'd picture a few. I wasn't actually in the team. I was like on the – I was 18th or 90th man or something like that. But Greeny's oh, Super yeah. League career was unbelievable. He went to Hull KR first, Greeny. Uh, he, didn't go straight, he didn't go straight to Wigan. And he played with Michael Dobson at Hull KR who – Killed it. Another underrated killed one. Killed it. Yeah, he didn't get enough, get, get enough shots in the NRL. Yeah, no, nah, he killed it, mate. Like, he was he was really, really good. But, like, when I was at Wigan, they when they talk about overseas signings, they talk about Trent Barrett. They talk about George Carmont, who we just mentioned. They talk about, obviously, Thomas Lulawa, who's an adopted Englishman deep down because he's been in Wigan for so long. But Blake Green, if you ask most, like, diehard Wigan fans, they'd probably say that him or Trent are the probably the two best halves I've ever had which is a pretty big yeah, call right. considering how many good halves have played for Wigan. But he was, the, he was the first guy to sort of go over to England early and make something of him, well, a lot of himself and come back and obviously mm. play for the Storm and then Manly and then the Warriors, Warriors Knights, yeah. whatever. But he's someone when I went over, I looked at, I actually done my research on what he had done. My management like told me, like, well, look at Blake Green, look what he's doing now, blah, blah, blah. Looked at it and then now um, when – there's certain players that I won't mention purely because, like, out of respect to them that are going over to Super League now that actually reach out to me and ask how I went about it and, and what I did to be able to not be successful, but there's so many distractions. You don't get as much media. You get a lot of downtime. You can go to another country in literally an hour, if that. So there's a lot of distractions to take away from your actual football aspect of, uh, or aspect of your life. So Greeny nailed it and I followed his footsteps and then – now there's people, obviously, Brodie Croft just won a, a Man of Steel as well and Jay Field's killing it over there, Bevan French, people like that too. So the more people that go over early that aren't getting a shot here, the better their career is going to be, especially coming back, I reckon. And you don't necessarily have to come back. I know NRL, we look at NRL as a pinnacle and, and it definitely is and I'm so glad that I'm back here, but um, there's no harm in playing 400 Super League games either. Like There's some players that never come over, Sean O'Loughlin's one that you just mentioned, that... Could have been as good as Sam, I reckon. Sam Burgess, that is. Like, he's he was that good, Sean O'Loughlin. So, yeah. Can I ask you, you mentioned there, and I understand why you said what you said about getting – because people will hear you say that about Blake Green running the attack and yeah. think, how dare you say that about Trent Barrett. It's not the reality of what you're saying. No, yeah. Do you think halfbacks should have more say in general on attack, though? It depends how close they are with the coach and how much mm. faith the coach actually has in the halfback. I think – I've been in situations where people probably haven't trusted me as much. So obviously, and it depends on your age as well. Mm. Like there are times where you get a 19, 20, 21 year old kid that's telling 30, 31 year olds that have played 20 tests for their country or 20 origins what to do. And sometimes you've got to go through that period of actually earning the respect of not only the coach, but the playing group. Sometimes you get one, not the other. 
vice versa, and sometimes you get none, which, you know, I've gone through through both sides of it. So, I mean, in terms of older halfbacks that have been there and done it, I'm sure people like Cooper Cronk, for example, he's the, he's an easy one to point out. Mm. Jonathan Thurston, I'm sure Darren Lockyer had the trust of Wayne and people like that that would probably get a heavy say in, in, what, the, uh, in what the attack is. And I know at the Tigers last year, I know people laugh and say, well, you come last, but Madge put a lot of faith into what people like Adam and Brooksy and myself thought and, and gave us a lot of respect in the regards of all right, how do you want to attack what suits you and things like that so I'm sure clubs are doing it but the top echelon halves like Thurston and Cronk and, and Lockyer and Johns and Fittler and all the all the big names would definitely have a massive say in, in how they attack for sure we have on the Monday show one of the other co-hosts is um, Tim Williams his brother is Sam Williams yeah right Canberra yeah. Raiders yeah. and just being a rugby league nerd like I am whenever I watch Sam Williams even in reserve grade just how structured his team is. He needs to are. be a coach, man. He oh, needs bro, to be a 100%. coach. And he's not the fastest. He's not the, you know, he doesn't have a good step. Good kid. Like, he's yeah. just, he's, he's like, with all due respect to Sam, he's incredibly average at everything, but between the years. So fast. So hard to match. Yeah. So hard to match. And I just think, fuck, there's so many NRL teams that instead of having a 25 year old who's got a highlight, if you put Sam Williams in there, yeah. fuck, he'd be so much more successful. Or even like, he's, like, he's another one that uh, went to England, killed it, come back, but. He just was so happy to play reserve grade and then when he got called upon, he'll just go in there and win games. You're not losing anything when he steps in. Um, but he needs to be a coach or he needs to be an attack coach. He needs to be involved in rugby league. I hope he doesn't get lost because like, I used to actually get enjoyment out of watching him play because, as you said, he's not overly quick and I'm not going to disrespect him by saying he's not good at anything because he, he was great at so many things, great passing game, kicking game, vision. But he would be great for a young kid that had all the flair in the world but didn't have that you know, game management or yep. kicking game where he could go, well, mate, you can step and flick and do all this, but if you can't kick into this box 10 out of 10 times and you can't lead the chase or you can't set up your back rower, then you're not going to have a very long career. So I don't know what he does, obviously, but I hope I hope he's still, still doing something. I think he's captain league. coaching Queanbeyan next year. So not lost to the game, but I can't believe there wasn't an NRL system that... He'll fall back in somewhere. They always find to. their way back yeah. in. For sure. But yeah, he's a cracking example. Another guy we could throw into this underrated chat. Now, I'm going to be completely honest with you. We've been completely sidetracked. I forgot who we started off. Who, who are we talking about? Oh. Bla- no. Blake Green. Blake, Blake Green. Green. That's Green. right. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Blake Green, one of the kit kings of all time. Seven NRL clubs. That's outstanding. <laughs> I would love to go for his How wardrobe. That, but <laughs> yeah. And he, and he used to, um, quick story before we move on, he used to bring his young fella Boston to training. He will be an NRL player one day, a million percent. Like he was getting in the ice, but I can't, I can't. Remember how old he was, but he'd bring his lunchbox to training. He'd be drinking water with the boys. <laughs> he'd be eating lunch with us. He'd be getting in the ice bars. He'd be kicking the ball around. So, Boston Green. Boston Green. Remember the name? Keep the, keep the eyes out. Name, for it. Yeah, grouse yeah. name. It's a winning name. It's a grouse name. He played 181 first grade games. Can you name the seven clubs? You said Para Bulldogs. Is that who you said at the start? Yeah. Melbourne, uh, Manly, Warriors, Knights. And I'm just going to go out on a because uh, he was Western Sydney. A. I'm going to say Pemmer for Sharks. Sharks. Oh, I knew it <laughs> when you said, "Oh, he was Western, Western Sydney." Sydney. I thought, oh, he's fucked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where did Sharks come from? Because <laughs> well, I, well, I, um, you know, where Sharks come from? It just come to me like this is how weirdly obsessed I'm with footy. I saw a, uh, I randomly saw a photo. I don't know. It must have been on Instagram not long ago of him actually in a Sharks kit. So yeah, right. Sort of come to me, but I, I only said Penrith to because of the Western Sydney thing. But right, okay. I had the Sharks in the back pocket, so I got you as one now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were long odds. I thought you were gone. Which club do you reckon he played the most games for? 
Um, it's just two clubs he played more than 50 games Yeah, for. Melbourne or Manly. Uh, no, it wouldn't be Manly. I'm going to say Melbourne or the Warriors. Yeah. 55 for the Warriors, 50 for the Melbourne Storm. Was he the spine of the Warriors with Isaac, Luke, Sean and Roger? Was that their spine? I believe so. I Surely Isaac didn't play with Roger, did he? No, wait. Who was the other hooker? Uh, no, could, yeah, yeah, he did. So it was Roger, yeah. Roger Green, Johnson, Isaac Luke in round one of twenty eighteen. Wow. Yeah, I, I thought. Yeah, wow, I thought so. Okay. Yeah, like that's up there with. Oh, that's, all, all peak, all in your peak spines ever. And I know they didn't probably go as well as what they would have liked, obviously. But no. you put all four of them in, like, like Isaac Luke at Souths when they won the comp. Yep. Sean before he broke his ankle and snapped his Achilles, which is obviously going to like slow a lot of people down. And just Roger whenever with Greeny Smart, that spine is, man. I'll tell you what, in that pack, in that starting pack, they have Adam Blair, Isaiah Papali'i and two Harris as well. I've got to apologise. I thought you said Isaac John first. <laughs> That's oh. what I was freaking out about. <laughs> I apologise for that. Ball playing lock. Yeah. <laughs> They've been around for years before you said <laughs> All right, Matty, anything else to add on nah, uh, the nah, kick nah. king? Mate, what can I possibly add uh, after Jackson Spiel then? I'm playing yeah, him in Sorry, he, he texted me and said, can you, can you go for me? <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Now, Brett Seymour was one of yours. Yeah. We're both thinking the same yeah. guy with the go same on, initials. Have you worked out who it I've is I've got yet? no idea. I feel like I'm going to kick myself. Come on, bro. He's been on Google the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I've been distracted. I'm sure the vast majority of you at home will get it. And I, Matt, Matty, can you keep the camera on yourself for when I say it? Because okay. I think you're going to fall off your chair that you okay. can get it. Brent Sherwin, shifty. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I wanted to say. I didn't know what I swear, so. Brent yeah. Sherwin. Um, similar to Scotty Prince, these sort of guys came along in an era of just unbelievable yeah. halfbacks uh some of these guys that come along and they're forced to play against some of the best of all time shifty incredibly unlucky um didn't play any rep games played for city on a couple of times another guy when i think of a city jersey uh he comes to mind pretty quickly yep. uh never played state of origin of course 2004 though uh, that grand final he was sensational in it willie mason he got the clive that night but i'll tell you what i thought shifty was very close to it Especially who he was playing against, like mm. playing against some of the best players of all time. Of all time. And yeah. like obviously the story goes, JT left because he couldn't get a crack because of how good Brent Sherwin was. Which people now say, oh, that's the dumbest decision ever. Nah, it wasn't. He nah. was a gun shifty. I, I actually can't – I'm actually filthy I didn't have him on my list because when I – I remember, again, I was only young, but he's one of the guys that on the Friday night or the Saturday night you'd go out and hang – You'd do something. You'd ride the bike in the street with your mates. But when 7.30 come on and the Bulldogs were playing, if Brent mm. Sherman was playing, you'd sit down and watch it because like, he just taught you so much as a halfback, as a kid, because he just could play structure well. But like he's called Shifty for a reason. Obviously, the off-the-cuff off the stuff, man, what a player, bro. Oh, it, I would argue he had the best short-kicking game of all time. Yeah, you, yeah. I mean, I, I reckon he had more tricks in his bag than 90% of people that have played NRL. And that's a massive call considering how many gifted players have played. But, like, they don't just hand out nicknames. And he yeah. had one of the best as well. Like, oh, considering how many good halfbacks the Bulldogs have had that have played Origin and won comps, like, he would have to be in the discussion for most naturally gifted with the football in his hands. Yeah. Like, if you go through... All, like the Mortimers and, and all the rest of them, like in terms of having the football in your hands and, and waving it around and 
been able to use people like Sonny, Willie Tonga, Renny Matua, Willie Mason, Marco Mealy, like people like this, Matt Utai. Like I know he had great players around him, but he was making great players look even better. And like all those players played rep footy and Brett didn't. So, I mean, that's not a knock on him. That just goes to show that – oh, he had – was Brave 5'8"? Yep. Yeah. That's when Brave was unbelievable as well. First burst on the scene, did he? Was that – he was just starting – Very early, right? yeah. And people forget how good Brave was as a kid. Yeah, he I know. Was. Yeah, they get into Brave about the Fox stuff and how it all ended for him. But, like, Brave was a freak. Like, he was the start of that real big fo- running 5'8", wasn't he? Like, yep. him and Freddie were the – I know people will say don't compare him, but they were – they were similar in terms of stature and, and how they took the, the game by the scruff of the neck. Trent Barrett, another one. Like those three, those three all reminded me of each other and people will put them in the pecking order however they want. But in terms of being like a big body 5'8", with good right or left foot that took the line on, could kick, played a lot of rep footy. Um, yeah, those three I used to watch closely as well. And they're two guys, just while we're on it, Trent Barrett, uh, Trent Barrett, Brayton Astor, who they quite often got the overrated label yeah. back into their careers I think it was because they were always compared to Freddie and because they set such a high standard when they came yeah, in yeah exactly Braith like, like, like Braith he, he debuted he played in the he was playing for the Kangaroos by like 03 or 04 yeah. or something he was incredible but just just on Brent Sherman again he's one of those guys that if he broke the first tackle and the defensive line was in a little bit of disarray yeah, oh yeah. it was fucking over yeah. you were done or if the ball bounced and everyone froze for a second shifty uh, like I, I had him on the podcast about two years ago and just yeah mate one of the best chats yeah, I, I need to watch it, it. I need just to watch a it. real a halfback's halfback yeah you know like yeah. uh, so, so what we're saying before not the fastest not the quickest all this so what's he stuff. doing now did you say? um i can't remember what he was doing two years ago at that point he was going back to help canterbury out he ah, hasn't been right. there since okay. so i'm not sure where all of that is at right uh but just I, I always just remember his kicking game just being unbelievable there was a game you know, obviously he played in the early 2000s. They had that, that rivalry with the Roosters. Yeah. That, of course, 0-2, the Chooks win the comp. Canterbury lost all their points. 0-3, they play in that prelim final that essentially lost the Roosters the grand final. Then 0-4, they play in that grand final. But there was a game in 0-3 where they played each other in the regular season. And I think it was 22-all, and Braithen Astor's waiting there for the field goal. Yeah. Sherwin shows it to him, goes down the short side, and you see Braith, he almost has a fucking fit in the background. <laughs> and then he finds Matty Utah in the corner, he slams it down. You remember, you'd remember off that fucking uh, rugby league game, that rugby league one, mm. where there's the footage of Matt Utah celebrating oh, that yeah. try. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That moment. It's, it was an unreal game. It was at the SFS, it was an absolute cracker. Uh, yeah, Shifty just came along at the wrong time, surrounded by the wrong halfbacks. Tough gig. What do you remember, Matty? Jacko, you talk about being a kid back then and like doing whatever you do in the day and then going home at 7.30 to watch Brent Sherman. You're so right. That Roosters team and that Bulldogs team, obviously, yeah. that he was part of, and then the Roosters team were just back then growing up an absolute delight to watch. Like, you're right. That that 2002, 2004 Bulls, I know they were cheating the cap, but like ignore that. Let's <laughs> forget that. forget about that. <laughs> they, they were like... You've talked about Rugby League Live. The team you play in Rugby League Live as a kid, the team you want to watch on a Friday night yeah. as a kid, like they, they were one of the best two teams of all time and it was such a great era. I always say like, for me personally, I obviously didn't get to watch the 80s and 90s and whatever, but that was the most purest form of Rugby League that I can remember yeah. watching or, or loving or being around. Like We talk about now how the game's gone away from block, uh, block plays and set plays and Joey talks about it all the time and... I think Joey forgets that not everyone's as good as Joey. 
in terms of being able to do things that no one else can do. But he's he's definitely right in the sense of people like Brent Sherwin, when he get a quick ruck, you see a lot of halfbacks, especially my age, that were coming through. We always got taught to obviously set up the person around us. But now the game's sort of going back to where you're seeing um, – I know you uh, posted something about Isaiah Katoa the other day, mm. the young fella from Penrith that's going to the mm, Dolphins. Dolphins. He's so good at catching the ball off a quick ruck and just going forward and playing – what ABC's doing. He's not worried about his back row pushing up. He just takes the game on. And Brent Sherwin and, and Brayfin and Astor in that time, as well as obviously Freddie, whenever there was a quick play of the ball, it'd just be over the ad line, left foot, right foot, people getting flat and fast, pushing holes, long balls, chip kicks for the winger. Whereas when I was coming through, people tried to coach that out of you. It got all like block plays, past six o'clock, turn the ball down. Like for me, watching kids play now, it doesn't matter how the ball spins, just get the ball from A to B as quick as possible. Or if it's a short pass, just make sure it's soft and easy to catch. If it's a long pass, just get it there, just whip it. Like there's, We make the game so much harder than what it needs to be. Like Everyone's so worried about how it looks. Just do the fundamentals good, and then if you need to throw the ball 15 metres, don't worry about your want, just get the ball there. That's what I'd say. If I was coaching kids now... I'd go back and I'd watch Brent Sherwin play. I'd go back and watch Scott Prince play because that was the purest form of watching rugby league was for me anyway. And they sort of like, insp- I reckon they've inspired kids. Like you watch Sam Walker play now, right? Say what you want about Sam's defence and it's improved out of sight. Oh, we've got to give him a rap. But say what you want about that side of the ball. But in terms of playing pure rugby league, you can tell that he's got brought up just like, righto, mate, the, the overlap's out there. Don't give it to the back roll because he probably can't pass. So you just throw it above his head above the centre's head and just hit the winger. Just keep doing it and just keep doing it. And, I mean, to his credit, no one in the NRL can stop it when he gets it right now. So I think that's really coming back into the game. And I know everyone talks about quick halfbacks and obviously they're good at exploiting the rucks and stuff, but you still need to be, like what you said, quick between the ears and know what you're doing first and foremost. I think it's something that I've really noticed in Nath Cleary's game improve over the last few years. And I, this is another thing Sherwin was the king of, his tempo with his running. Oh, yeah. How he'd slow it. And if you go back and you watch that that try in the 2004 grand final where he shows it under the sunny, I think, and then he gives it to Hazem. Decent decoy, sunny, you reckon? Not bad. <laughs> but you see when, 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 when Shifty slows up, he holds Brad Fittler up yeah. for just a second too long and it just creates that that try for Hazem El-Masri. Uh, yeah, cracking player, Shell. And the other thing I loved about him, and um, you do it as well, and I'd, I, I'd say it whether you were sitting here or not, and I'll, I'll hand over to you too. Shifty, if he saw something... He'd shove the dummy half out of the way. Get the ball first of all. Uh, you do it. Sam Walker did it uh, at the back end of last season a little bit too. I love when halves just go get the fuck out of the way. I need the ball now. See, I um, and that's one thing I lost when I got given the seven full time or the six, whatever, whatever position you want to say. I played at the Roosters. I sort of lost that part of me where, as a kid, as you said, it probably pissed a lot of people off. And mm. if there's any hookers that I played with coming for the grades, I'm sorry, but I've sort of got that back. Now, when I went to England and, and got that confidence back and belief in that you're in your own ability, the fact that sometimes if you watch it on TV, you probably think, what's he doing? Like, that's a dummy half job. But the dummy half, and because I've played the position, you're in the washing machine, so to speak. You're making 40 tackles. You're up and down. You need to get your forwards over the ad line in behind the ruck. As a half, it's so easy to, like, like what Nathan did in the semifinal against Melbourne last year when he just ran into the dummy half and picked it up and just went 25-metre cross kick, hit the winger on the chest to score. You've got to be able to do both. And uh, as you said, I think Nathan's the best at it now, whereas he plays that structured game so well, like that, not robot, but that Cooper Cronk-like methodical, I'm going to go here, 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 I'm going to death by a thousand cuts by these little kicks. And then he's got the, 
what I love watching Nathan do now, I don't really necessarily like playing against it, but when he, he gets the two big, uh, big middle forwards, Leota and Fisher-Harris, and he shows one, pretty much stops, takes off, shows the other one or hits him, he's the best at having that ball there now, hiding it behind his body, whereas that's sort of a lost art now because of the block plays and stuff. But I feel like Nathan's progression has been so good that he sort of can play like Sherwin and, and Prince, but he can also play like Cronk, which, I mean, in terms of like, the pecking order of halfbacks, I don't know how many have been able to do both. Like, Joey could do both. Thurston could do both. And then now you've got Cleary that, like, how many more that can you name that can do both, you know? Well, and the scary thing about Cleary is that he knows how to do both at 24. I was about to say, he's about 16, Nathan, as well. Yeah. So he's got plenty of years it's left. It's crazy. Yeah. It's insane. Anyway, we, we talk about this enough and people get really upset about it. So <laughs> uh, we'll let it slide. But, yeah, Shifty Sherwin, uh, one of my favourites yeah, all good, time. Good Absolutely love him. All right, my next one. I'm still undecided which way to go here. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm going to go with, and I, I personally think he's underrated. I'm keen to hear what you two think. Um, Cooper Cronk obviously started at the Melbourne Storm. I'm not doing Cooper Cronk, but Cooper Cronk started at the Melbourne Storm. I think he came in the 05 season, I think it was, and people forget the halfback before him. Yeah, I know you're going to say Yeah, yep. Sam. Matty Orford. Uh, oh, yeah. Similar to Brent Sherwin. Just never got to play State of Origin because of so many star halfbacks. But, mate, I thought the Ox was incredible. Tough, obviously, his nickname. Yeah. Tough as nails, the Ox. As uh, at the Melbourne Storm, went to the Manly Seagulls and the 2008 season. When you consider some of the halves running around that season, he is he won the Dalian medal that year and then captained that side to a 40-nil drumming yeah. of a Melbourne Storm team that was cheating. Yep. He was... An absolute master at his craft, Matty Orford. He didn't get the Clive ever, did he? Brent no, Kite Brent got it, didn't fucking, he? Yeah, I still, uh, respectfully to Brent Kite, I don't know how on earth in a 40 nil jumping a front row forward. Yeah, right. Yeah. I thought Orford was sensational. Yeah, I do as well. As well. And he, I think I think like the mark of a good player, like what you just said, sorry to cut you off, mate, when you're coming up against people like Cronk, Slater, Smith, like the team that Melbourne had, it's so easy to get, regardless if players want to say it or not, when you're coming up against an elite well-known, all-time great player. It's hard not to give him that respect or, or feel a little bit overawed in the sense that I don't know what this guy's got in his kit bag or what he can bring out on the big stage. And for him to do that against those three in particular, and you got to remember the supporting cast at Melbourne weren't bad either, I think it shows the the mark of the man. And like Manly have had so many good halfbacks. Obviously, Cherry's been there for – how long's Chess played for? 12, 13 years? Yeah, he's been there since 2011. So, and then yeah. like – like you had Jeff Tuvey before that, like I mean, so to, uh, he probably gets lost a little bit in in terms of he played in between them two, but I think he was so unbelievably tough. Like in terms of toughest halfbacks, mainly obviously I just named two of them. Like he's pound for pound probably up there with one of the toughest to play. I think he's one of those guys. You know, we all talk about that manly side and how good they were from that 07 to eleven, but his name never gets thrown around. It's no, always yeah. the Stewarts. The Lions, the Mad Eyes, these sort of guys, which is fair enough, all classy, fantastic players. And then Ches and Foz come along, and it's like we – I feel like Orford is one of the more forgotten guys in rugby league history because he's the guy before Cooper Cronk, yeah. and then he's the guy before Ches sure, and all these guys come yeah. in. So people sort of forget about him. Just on that 2008 grand final, I think it would have been an unreal moment for Orford. And as I said, I think he's the forgotten man because he came – he was the guy before Cooper Cronk. You know who captained Melbourne that day? In – uh, Remember Cameron Smith was out He was suspended Oh yeah he was too um, This is a trick question nah. 
I've, 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 I've kind of given you the answer, so don't now think the room here. Matt Orford. No, he played against no. him. So it was Cooper Cronk was the captain that day. Oh, right, sorry. So yeah. I reckon it would be something that Orford had looked back in his career and sort of go, yeah. got a one-up that day. Yeah, for against sure. Against a cheating Melbourne Storm side. Uh, yeah, so unlikely. You know, he was a cracking goal kicker as well, Matty Orford. Oh, yeah, he was too, yeah. Now, I, I'm not sure. There, there was Towards the back end of his career, as Brett Stewart started to come on, those two had a combination that was close to unmatched. Yeah. Those two are incredible. There's that try, I think it's at Leichhardt Overly, puts like a, a midfield banana kick bomb yeah, back straight to up the middle, that. just sits on its belly, yeah, yeah. and uh, Snake comes through and gets it. They had another one where a, a couple of flick passes he threw around his back yeah. to Snake and some unbelievable moments. I think Matty Orford, incredibly unlucky to never play Origin. Matty? Just on, yeah. Yeah. If we go straight back, like right back to the start of his career, you say he got a little one up, one up on uh, Cooper Cronk. He got a little one up on Brecken Morley as well, because he came through the North grades. And Brecken Morley, everyone forgets, played one year at the Northern Eagles in two thousand one, yeah. and that's the reason Orford left North Manly. Blah blah. blah. And then he went to uh, Melbourne. Brecken Morley had had a great career, but like obviously that year wasn't great for anyone at the Northern Eagles. And yeah. then Matt Orford. Steps in, he becomes the halfback and breaks a bunch of point scoring records. So, yeah, it's a pretty interesting story about how he got to uh, got to Melbourne as well. Now, he played for three NRL clubs, four, sorry, oh, four, uh, three if you want to count Northern Eagles and Manly is the same thing. I'll offend everyone out there. Who was the other club he played for? Do you know, Matty? I do because I, I for some reason I have this in my head ingrained forever. This will test your uh, yeah, how much of a rugby league nerd you are. He finished his career at a different club. So he played for Melbourne, he played for Manly. So he played for three clubs? Yeah, so he he, he started the Northern Eagles, then he went to Melbourne, then he went to Manly, and then did he go over to the he Super went to League? Super League. Super League. Did he? Yeah. Yep. Who did he play for there? Uh, Bradford. Yep. Oh, did he? Played for Bradford in 2010, then he came back to the NRL. He only played six games, and respectfully oh. too, Matt, he was a pretty bang average six games. He was, I think he was carrying an injury and stuff. Or was it New South Wales or Queensland? New South Wales team. Well, technically, yeah, well, now it's given it away. Time, <laughs> don't know how good oh, the geography is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I actually do remember that. What year was that? 2011. 11. Was that when yeah. Campo was the man at the Raiders, or was that bef- before? Uh, I mean, it was around the same. It was around the same, around the same time. Yeah, yeah. He, he played five games. Campo, Campo killed it a little earlier than so that. So who was the half? Who was the actual? Who took over, or who was the half at the Raiders that year? Uh, it wasn't. Um, Who's the fellow that ran on and protested the other day? Oh, fuck, what's his name? <laughs> Josh McCrone was his halves partner that year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. Sammy Williams came in later. Ah, right, so, yeah. But he only, he only played six games that year. Yeah. Like, he didn't play the whole season. No, it, wasn't, it wasn't overly pretty. Not what we remember the great Ox for, though. Yeah. I think it's 2008, the real uh, cherry on top there. Um, now... 